Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're welcoming you to another episode of the AMP, where we're finally back into anime territory. Yes, finally. It's uh, season six started back up about two weeks ago. Uh, just a peek behind the curtains. We're recording a little bit later than we normally would. Usually, we record on Tuesday nights, but Atkins and I are both sick. We have been sick for like a week now. I feel like I've been sick for like a month and a half. I missed all that stuff with the with uh, the uh, the Tums missions with you and Mark, which if you haven't checked those out, those are a lot of fun. A blast. Go listen to them. Um, but now you're sick too. It's like it's going across the mic or something. Yeah, mine's mine's 100% allergies. I did take a COVID test just to be sure, but um, I'm I'm on the recovering end, but all of the lingering effects like uh, a little bit of stuffiness and definitely the damage that still needs to be repaired to like the back of my throat just from having coughed and sneezed so much um it it persists so i I probably sound a little bit more bassy than i typically do <laughs> uh on mic yeah same here same here but regardless we are sitting down and we we're talking about episodes one and two of season six of my hero academia i know a lot of folks are really excited to get this season going apparently it's going to be a pretty big one um, I'm excited. I know I really enjoyed these first two episodes, but before we break into them, Atkins, it sounds like we may have some Quirkle submissions. We do. So um, we kind of took a break from Quirkles while we were tackling the Tum stuff, uh, just because there was a lot to cover there. Obviously, if you listen to them or you even just saw the runtime of those episodes, you realized uh, that we didn't need to tack on another 10 or even five minute discussion about Quirkles uh, onto any of those episodes. Uh, But Quirkles is this concept that we came up with a while back where you look at the previous month's Wordle solutions, which we link conveniently uh, in our show notes. And you pick one or more of those words and you uh, pitch them to us as a quirk. So you pick those words, you say, this is the name of that quirk and this is how that quirk works. And we read them out uh, on the air. Um, We did get one uh, submission from Tomac in the Discord. His submission using the uh, September word bank was usurp. And he says that the user is able to project their mind into the body of another person and take control. And while in control, they're unable to feel pain, but are also limited to motor functions and sight. However, if usurper is forced to eject forcefully or quickly, they will experience a backlash effect, which can range from disorientation to nosebleeds. And while controlling the other person, their own body is reduced to that of a sleepwalker-like stake. So you're literally just mind-jacking somebody with that particular quirk. Oh man, that's pretty cool. That reminds me of the uh, possession jutsu from from Naruto, uh, with a little caveat here there, but that's pretty sweet. Yeah, or something. It's kind of close to what Shinso is capable of a tiny oh, bit. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Do you think that this individual could control that other person's quirk when they've usurped their brain? Uh, I don't know, Tom X. It seemed like he said that it's limited to uh, motor functions and sight. So possibly if the if the quirk is like a physical one, I would say, sure. If it was something, it might have a similar limitation to it, like what Monoma has. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So that that would make some sense. I came up with, thank you, Tomac, for for sending those in. I know that the, uh, the presence or the return of Corkles kind of snuck up on some folks. I'm sure that we'll get some more in the future. Um, I, I whipped up a couple of really quick ones, too, using September's words. My first one is called Tibia Great. Tibia, tibia. Great. Yeah, this would be a physical quirk. Remember, not all quirks are great, um, <laughs> pun intended. But this one is uh, a physical quirk where your tibia bone, like down, uh, you know, below your knee, um, is kind of like a 
like a cheese grater, and that's that's it. It's just that you have really <laughs> pointy shins, and that's unfortunate. But there you go. That is unfortunate. Um, like I guess you could open up like a specialty shop of some kind, maybe where like you put like cheese through your cheese grater tibia, and it it uh is a I don't know, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> that's not a good one. You can't do a lot with that one. Yeah, like like I said, not not every quirk is a home run. Yeah, um, villains beware! One, I will grate your face. <laughs> right, right. Uh, second one is just brisk, um, and this is you. You have like an Olympian speedwalker's abilities, um, but in addition to that, that kind of pacing um, and speed, uh, according to speedwalking rules. So like always having one point of contact with the ground, um, otherwise you're running, obviously. Um, that you also create a brisk breeze when you walk. So you, there's almost like a cooling or an air conditioned effect in your wake. So you would be really popular at outdoor parties. Oh yeah. Or like the flea market or something. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Anywhere that's outdoors and just hot. Stadium. Just take, <laughs> take a lap around a couple people and they'll be really grateful. That's awesome. Um, and then my last one, I really like this one. This would be really fun to see in the anime or the manga itself. And it's just called doubt. Uh, and with it, if you're, if you're able to make eye contact with somebody, you can implant a modicum of doubt in their minds about what it is that they believe they're capable of doing. So for instance, if Bakugo was bearing down on the user of doubt, that person, if he could make eye contact with him, could just put this little suggestion of doubt into Bakugo's minds and maybe make him either hesitate to his advantage or cease the attack altogether um, and make him freeze or stall out or overthink um, or second guess. And it's just a, just a flash instance where uh, it, it has the opportunity to, it's not hundred percent successful. I think that some folks with uh, greater wills would be less easily shaken or taken in by doubt they would be able to repress those doubts, um, but it would be really interesting if, if if all that it did was create a little bit of hesitation. That's that's an advantage in a fight. Yeah, yeah, that's man, that's that's pretty brutal because that could that could absolutely just wreck somebody unexpectedly. Yeah. So Quirkles, um, we're taking those submissions again, especially while the anime is running. Uh, link to I believe it's Screen Rants um, lists of the solutions to that particular word game can be found in the description. So peruse the previous month's uh, words. So uh, we're still looking for September's for the next uh, recording of AMP. And uh, pick pick a word or two or three and uh, kick us a quirk and tell us what it is. If you're, if you're fancy enough, then you can even get into the physical drawbacks and things like that. Those are really fun Absolutely. Uh, to read and to think about as well. And you can send us those on Twitter, or if you want to hop into our Discord, which is thankfully hosted by the Back Patio Network, uh, then we uh, will accept those there. Uh, I don't think we really... I, you could email us, but I don't think Adkins or I ever check that email, so <laughs> just send uh, it to us on Twitter or in really Discord. We, we have one as a matter of like due course, I guess. Yeah. Um, but we, we're very active on Twitter, which is at Almighty Pod, um, and also in the Discord, which you can find a link to in the pin tweet uh, on that Twitter account. So, or in our um, show notes. Yeah, or in our show notes. I believe we try to link as much as we can in there just to keep things easy. We want you guys to find where we are and to be where we are, and so we try to make that as easy as possible. Well, with that being said, why don't we hop into episode 114 of My Hero Academia Season 6, Episode 1, A Quiet Beginning. 
We can do that. Uh, so in this episode, we're covering one episodes 114 and 115, A Quiet Beginning, and also uh, Mirko, the number five hero. Uh, if you're reading along in the manga, this is going to cover chapters 258 through 263. Um, so uh, even if you're not reading along, if you just want to read for comparison's sake, highly recommend reading the manga. It's excellent, obviously. Um, and uh, just kind of doing that comparison game thing is is interesting as well as we go. But let's jump into 114, where we begin with a recap, which isn't unusual. But at the very least, Adam, while we do, while we are subjected to um, this very well-tread segment or or, uh, just a batch of information about the world, what we don't have with 114 is a silly episode where we have to learn everybody's quirks all over again. So you got to be grateful for at least that much. Yeah, I agree. Because it's kind of just one of those things where it's like Deku addressing the audience, what a quirk is, yada, yada, yada. And then like Redestro is actually addressing the audience and reintroducing the Paranormal Liberation Front. And Shigaraki is now the leader of this front. Uh, And then we kind of like transition over to Shigaraki talking to Dr. Garaki, who is explaining that like, hey, your quirk has really turned into something pretty crazy. You don't just destroy things you touch now. You also destroy things they touch. And so we kind of just get this recap of really the last season's uh, big highlights, right? Like the big things that came out of that last season. And uh, we we sort of see this intro of of Endeavor and his team approaching this hospital with a whole bunch of different heroes mixed in. And then we get this like one month earlier splashback. And it's, again, more info that we've sort of already seen where it's Hawks talking to twice. Uh, so we, we get a lot of recap from that season and then we get a new intro here uh which i gotta say i know you don't watch the intros uh i always do this one's not bad it's okay it's nothing that i'm gonna like look up and watch while i drive down the road like i have some of the other songs but you know eh, it could have been worse i i mean i watched i watched it the first time um i'd seen a lot of appreciation for it on twitter i think that they were leaning both on the visuals and on the music itself this wasn't my favorite. We talked about this in the Discord. Um, we started comparing some OST stuff um, in the Discord. Start, it started with My Hero, comparing the different uh, openings uh, and ranking them kind of uh, fast and loosely. This one wasn't at the top. Uh, I couldn't tell you what the name of it is, but that's not unusual. I couldn't tell you the name of any of the other ones either. But I did like the uh, the visuals. They were very like comic booky. A lot of illustrated automatopoeia on the screen, and that that was. That was neat. I like that. It made the anime intro look like a lot of what we see in the manga. And I thought that that part was particularly cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but we we hop back into the action with uh, twice wanting to know from Hawks, like, hey, what what should my credo be is what he's he's asking. And it sounds like he's trying to get some sort of motto or like rallying point for his team and we kind of get this like back flashback of him talking to this lieutenant that's like hey you know it'd be really good if uh, soldiers heard something directly from you and and it's funny because apparently in this scenario he decided he had to go poop instead of talking to this lieutenant so he he walked off uh, but he's asking Hawks for help like hey what should I do Um, and Hawks is actually kind of fills in the gaps here that this lieutenant is some like old member of the Meta Liberation Army so he's not one of the League of Villains he's someone that's from the MLA and they've kind of been brought into the fold. Um, And then he kind of like breaks down the power dynamics of where the paranormal liberation front is now. So they have what they're calling the Vanguard action tactics regiment or the black group. 
and they've got the Vanguard Action Guerrilla Warfare Regiment, or you know, known as the Violet Group, and then they have the Carmine and Brown Group, who are the Intelligent Regiment and the Support Regiment, respectively. Yeah, and each of these, so there's been this big merger, right, between um, the MLA uh, and the League of Villains, the MLA and the LOV, uh, and now they're the PLF, so there are a lot of acronyms that get tossed around. And um, a lot of the League of Villains has been set up as lieutenants. A couple of the hangers-on, including Redestro, are also lieutenants under Shigaraki in this new format. And each of these groups um, has leaders um, that also have some uh, some aides or some lieutenants even working under them. So Twice is the head of the Vanguard Action Tactics Squad. Uh, Getten and Dobby are kind of co-leading Violet. Toga and Skeptic are working together on Carmine. Uh, and Compress and Spinner are working on Brown, which is that support uh, that support group. Um, and so they they've created this uh, not not hierarchy, although that does exist, obviously with leaders and then lieutenants or aides underneath them. Um, but uh, groups that are given specific areas of expertise, um, okay. where they are their their groups are designed where their quirks work especially well towards whatever that that specific color's uh, end is, which is pretty neat. And uh, we we actually hear these things called out and sent in very reasonable places, given their ends or what their group's quirks would be best at in the next episode when Skeptic uh, starts freaking out. He starts barking orders to the groups. Yeah, it's like a tactical hierarchy or like a special ops groups. Like they each have very, very contained things. Um Hawks tells uh, twice, like, hey, you know, you should come up with this credo that's going to say something like uh, individual's freedom reign supreme and existing uh, structures should be destroyed and throw in something about how, you know, Redestro started all of this or something like that. And twice is like, yeah, of course, that sounds great. Uh, I just don't want to say something I don't believe in. And it's, it's kind of interesting because, like, I don't know, you kind of get this feeling that twice... It's not that he doesn't believe in what the overarching like goal is as much as he's just kind of gotten mixed up in this and he's there because his buddies are there. Well, Hawks had we were kind of given audience to uh, some of Hawks's conscious thoughts. And during his recon of this structure, he said that he had sensed a lot of resentment towards this current system. And so this credo that he pitches to twice, I think, is it's intentionally designed to be subversive. Um, while sounding reasonable, given what the overall the PLF's group uh, goal is, and so this credo obviously uh, heightens up freedom um, for quirk use. That's some one of the big things that the PLF is about. Um, but that mention of being de- completely devoted to Redestro, that that is what twice. Do, that when he says, "I don't want to say anything I don't mean," that's the part that he took the big issue with, right? Um, because Redestro Hawks tries to say, listen, we were a- only able to unite all of these people because of him and his blood, but twice is not a Redestro devotee. Um, and, and so that's why he's like, ah, we'll just praise him a little bit and that'll be fine. Um, but I think that Hawks is, is that credo is very intentionally designed to be subversive. Like if the right people hear this, then they will start to lean more towards Redestro than say Shigaraki. Um, and it could 
uh, cause some division and a house divided against itself cannot stand. I think that's kind of what I, I thought that he was trying to accomplish with that credo that he pitched twice. Same here. I mean, even the lines, the individual freedoms reign supreme are almost like counterintuitive to what the overall goal of this is for, because they're trying to say, hey, like, we want you to all have the right to your individual freedoms. But by telling them that, it's almost like you can make decisions outside of this organization too, though. Like, whatever you decide at the end of the day is really what you should be doing, not necessarily what we tell you. So I think it's it's like on multiple levels there. It's pretty, pretty incredible. Like Hawks's ability to just think so quickly on the fly like this and not be discovered until he is, is just really incredible, honestly. Yeah. And he goes on to kind of explain what the current trajectory of the PLF is, um, that they're seeking to annihilate the current hero system. Their current plan is to attack all major cities in the country at once, creating this lawless district and then installing Redestro and the Heart and Mind Party as the political structure, um, distributing weapons, advocating for self-defense, and uh, then he's going to create basically this world of of chaos and, and Hawks uh, give some color commentary on that uh, that end or that goal of theirs by saying it'll be the second coming of one for all and the end of Japan. Yeah, and uh, it's it's pretty ridiculous because Twice is like thanking Hawks for all of the help that he is giving him. And at the same time, Hawks is sitting there thinking internally like, no, thank you. Like, you're the reason I've been able to figure all of this stuff out just because you've been trusting me probably a little bit more than you really should have. And, and he has this quick thought of like the moment that we or I realized that you were over your trauma, I, be- I became very concerned because you're the one person we really should be the most concerned of. And there's this quick visual of like an army of twices just walking mm-hmm. and i mean really i i think we had kind of touched on that a little bit the idea that twice could just be his own army which is pretty insane to think about but we even see more of that in these these episodes that are coming down the line yeah and i i wondered in my notes if hawks had the forethought to ingratiate himself with twice from the beginning for this exact reason uh to to be to have this very uh buddy buddy relationship with him very casual very um very trusted position like you had said uh and and for exactly this reason that if he ever uh, you know was able to collect some of the marbles that he's lost that he would be the linchpin for a lot of what the PLF was going to be trying to 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 do or to fix or to accomplish yeah, and so we get this flashback where it kind of seems like Hawks was able to gather a lot of this data where they're back in that room. We've seen several times in the last season, and it seems like uh, Twice is trying to like educate Hawks on the Metal Liberation Army. And Hawks, is, it kind of explains that he's there because he feels like a trapped bird, like a bird in a cage. Like he's wanted to be able to fly for so long, and they just keep him from being able to do that. And Twice has eaten it up, and he kind of goes into this quick thing about how he just wants he wants Hawks to meet Shigaraki now. Like, why do we have to wait? And it's because Shigaraki is out training, which seems to give Hawks the ability... Recovering. Recovering, recovering. yeah, He's in training. that, like, back-to-tank thing. Right. And so it seems like it's able to give Hawks kind of the no how to single out which hospital that that uh, the the Dr. Garaki is operating out of uh, because he's right. aware that there is a doctor somehow somewhere, but I don't think he had the full picture just quite yet. Yeah, because twice let slipped. Uh, it's because Shigaraki is getting stronger in the mountains of Kyoto. Uh, and so that gives Hawks a, a general location of where this hospital might be. And um, twice is very prescient in the fact that he's like, "Ah, I'm probably not supposed to say that. It's supposed to be off the record, and I'm sure Skeptic has this place bugged, but whatever. Uh, And we do find out that Skeptic 
was indeed listening in on that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, a great little call back in the next episode. Uh, and twice tells Hawks, once we get kind of back to the current, he says, you know, nobody who helps their buddies is a bad guy. And Hawks is like, dang it, Jen. Like I knew you're probably a decent, all right guy. It's just that like society cast you aside. Like why couldn't we have found you and helped you is probably the thought that he's having, you know? Yeah. I, um, I think the end of one fifteen uh, indicates that there's a, a, very big and probably uh, extremely important uh, conflict showdown uh, between Hawks and Dobby and this ingratiating that Hawks has been doing with, or Hawks and twice rather, not Hawks and Dobby. Um, so this ingratiating that Hawks and has been doing with twice, I wonder how difficult that's going to make what he has to do um, relative to if he had kind of kept his distance, knowing full well that he would need to strike twice down when the time came versus him having this very close, um, trusted relationship and still knowing he has to do that thing. I think that's going to be, that could be potentially, uh, conflicting. Yeah. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah. I'm interested in seeing if he tries to pull twice, like over to the quote unquote good side, or if he just has to take him out because twice is not going to give up his pals, you know, the folks that took care of him when he was down. So it'll be interesting. Right. Well, we transition over to Jaku Hospital. Uh, we see Dr. Grocky. He's just walking the halls. I mean, he's just a normal doctor, right? Shouldn't be in any issues. Uh, and we we know that Endeavor and folks are just like about to be there, about to absolutely just turn this dude's world upside down. Uh, but before that happens, we kind of get this quick explanation that like he's this really great doctor, that he's opened up all these orphanages all over the years. There are hospitals everywhere. He had this whole idea of like helping kids and helping them with their quirks. And so he's got this huge foundation out there that seems to be fairly spread across Japan from what we can tell. And we also know that he's been creating these no moves. And so we're kind of getting this breakdown from uh, Sukuauchi, I believe, is who's, who's giving this information out to all these mm -hmm. different heroes. And Endeavor is just like, okay, well, that's great. But how do you know? Like, how do you really know? Because he, he doesn't want to just go in and take this dude out and it turn out that the cops are kind of wrong. And Sukuauchi explains that they have someone that's been undercover there. And there's an area that the doctor goes to that seems to be connected to the morgue. And the person that's undercover gets this one picture of the doctor standing in that doorway with a little tiny nomu and so it's like a dead ringer absolute giveaway and sukuachi's like you know we could just walk in and arrest the doctor there's no problems here but if we do that the plf's going to know that we're onto them so we have to do this all at once we're going to hit both sides of this coin from all, all at the same time so that way no one is able to get away and they don't get the drop on us yeah, he says that specifically, he says, we don't want another Hosu or Kamino on our hands. Uh, so we're going at this with everyone. And it reminded me of this like uh, moment in a Taskmaster comic where one of the like Hydra minions or whatever comes and tells him and he's uh, he's like, hey, guys, like everyone is after you. And Taskmaster's like, well, who's everyone? And the guy's like, everyone, everyone <laughs> is coming after you. Yeah. Um, that's the scale that we've got going on here. I also liked, too, this explanation of Garaki's um, his system or like his um, network. Yeah. And it makes all of the sense, right. For him to, one of the things that they say that he, uh, that he was credited with is advocating for regional cork based medical care. Of course he wants to have access to young children trying to figure out their quirks because that, that helps him. Um, Absolutely. So he's set it up under uh, a very positive and, and extremely well-received, uh, you know, picture of of what he's done and uh it's great because later on when 
Endeavor and Aizawa and some of these other heroes confront him in the hallways, even some of the people that are working with him rush to his aid yeah. as if like, what in the world could he possibly have done wrong? Look at all of the good that he has done. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And so he's, he's, he's created, he's painted a very, very good picture. Um, and it's very funny then that a single picture or photo is what undoes him when uh, this secret door slides open and Johnny is standing there and gets captured um, in a picture uh, and turned into Sukauchi. I hadn't considered this before and maybe I have, maybe I'm just like sick brain right now, but I wonder if to some extent, like these kids that don't have quirks like Deku, for instance, when they're, when they're, young they go and they get examined i wonder if he's able to determine what kind of quirk they had and steal it right then and there so that way he could just be like hey you you actually don't have a quirk and then be siphoning that you know quirk away from the children and off into whatever experiment he's experimenting on it would be pretty crazy if it was that instantaneous and and he could get away with it that easily it doesn't sound like it based off the way he kind of talks about implanting quirks but who knows yeah i wouldn't guess so in part because of the toe, the weird toe x-ray thing. But that could be uh, like made that up as a cover. That's what I'm saying though. Like what if that was just a total like uh, um, uh, red herring, you know? Yeah. Well, that would make a lot of sense because we've been like, what a weird thing to indicate whether or not you've got a quirk is this toe x-ray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I, I, I think I just read it as he's basically putting certain people on his radar for for possible use later i mean he's built the infrastructure to have info on pretty much anybody because everyone has to go see a, a quirk doctor at some point it sounds like yeah yeah and so he's he's got all of these all of these documents showing all of these quirks knows who they belong to where they are uh and so when it comes time to harvest that quirk then he he knows right he knows right where to go he doesn't have to you know even infiltrate the the legal documentations for quirk registry he's just got his own right um so that's that's kind of interesting that that seemed very smart uh to kind of hide it under uh philanthropy basically super devious man it's like this is the this is the like deep state nightmares of people you know what i mean (laughs) well yeah yeah Yeah. definitely so we've got effectively two teams then we have ed shot who is going to gunga mountain villa or the plf hideout effectively and then we have endeavor and his team who are going to the jaku hospital for dr garaki and interspersed between these two teams are both student groups so we have some students that are headed to the villa some students that are going to go with Endeavor and be effectively support for both teams. So they're going to be helping out with either evacuation or civilian rescue. Yeah, and they're expecting resistance from the PLF and the Nomu. And it wasn't until they said that that I was... Because at first when they were like, Endeavor's going to go to the hospital. And I was like, the hell are they sending him after the doctor for? Like, wouldn't he... <laughs> Wouldn't you want the number one hero at the PLF headquarters leading that fight? Um, but with them uh, anticipating several nomu on the site of the hospital it made a lot more sense for them to uh put endeavor at the front there yeah it it, it's another thing too where they they say this thing i have this in my notes that the students are deployed as rear guard and logistical support to help execute ex uh evacuation if things escalate and i just have in here like yeah right you're (laughs) you know why they're there because you're going to do the whole child soldier thing again um and of course they are because that's those are the main characters of this this anime and manga they're they're not just there to to possibly help out maybe um 
narratively speaking, they're there and they're going to get their, their hands dirty in the, in the process of all this. There's oh, no yeah. way that they don't. Oh, or we wouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> like, right. Otherwise the anime would be over. So <laughs> yeah, they, they do go out of their way. You don't see a complete roster for either team, but you do see big like character splash pages. Um, uh, even in the anime of who all is is on each team but yeah. to try to note all that stuff out would be too much i basically have in my notes if you can name a hero then they're there and if you can't name a hero they're also there on one team or another because there's a bunch of just what i'm assuming are just one shot uh screen filling heroes oh, yeah. that don't have any names don't have any idea what their quirks do never will some of them are probably going to die and we won't even know it right um but it's it's everyone everyone is and, and to even like continue that train of thought of it being everyone there's even a scene in a couple minutes where like a bunch of civilians are commenting on the fact that they don't see any heroes around like that's how utilized the heroes are right now everyone mm -hmm. is involved and before we get there we do get a splash over to Edshot's team where it's tokoyami kaminari uh hononoke i think is how you say her name and kamori mm -hmm. um and they're they're you know all there getting ready and uh poor kaminari is just kind of having a bit of a fit he's a little nervous and midnight's trying to quell several students but mainly kaminari it seems to be him freaking out and like as they head into or towards the villa he's like why <laughs> why am i here what am i doing here oh I, I don't know why i'm on the front you know i should be back with everybody else and and then we see kirishima and momo are kind of uh behind the lines and they're discussing like some of those students and, and talking about how like, Hey, they're going to be fine. Like the quirks that they've got are meant to kind of take out broad amounts of people. Like they, they have these wide range quirks. They're going to use them to get in and take down as many PLF members as they can before things get too bad. So like, they're going to be okay. Um, and then we we transition back over to Endeavor's group, and and he's actually insinuating that Hawks is the one that figured out who this hospital was because there's a quick conversation between him and I believe it's Sukwalchi, uh, just trying to figure out like you know the plan of action where things are headed, and they kind of make this mention of like, oh, did he figure all this? How did he put all this together? And I can only assume he's talking about Hawks. He is, he absolutely is, um, and because it goes all the way back to that weird meeting where hawks gives him a copy of the like the plf handbook or the mla I guess handbook the yeah mla handbook yeah. at that time as if he's getting ready to write a term paper or something right. but and then this is where uh, we yeah. see the scene i mentioned the civilians are walking around like man there aren't any heroes out where's everybody at and we see that one like quote-unquote hero the purple suit guy that i don't know that we've ever gotten his name uh is, i think his name is slide and go slide and go because i remember us talking very briefly about or at least that's the name of his quirk i do remember us talking very briefly about about the fact that like his name is eerily close to the name of uh of uh Koichi's quirk. Okay. So I think that this guy is slide and go. Um I'm double checking that really quickly, but uh yeah, yeah, that's his that's his hero name is slide and go. Gotcha. So even he starts to kind of notice that there aren't heroes around, and then all of a sudden Death Arms grabs him from behind and is just like, Yeah, we've got you, you traitorish liberation scum. I mean, like he's laying into this dude about it, and you can tell he's freaking out now. And uh we we transition over to seeing Bakugo, Todoroki, and Ida, who are all off to the sides, and of course Bakugo's very upset because he's basically in the reserves. And uh Deku, Su, Ochako, and Koda are all kind of like hyping themselves up. They're getting ready for this big 
adventure that's about to happen and, and just trying to make sure that they're on point. Uh, then they get the go ahead. The, they storm the area. They start evacuating civilians. Endeavor just busts through the front door of this hospital. And immediately he's like, Mirko, go to the morgue. Go take care of this. The pussycat dolls start evacuating people inside the hospital themselves. Like things are going down. And Endeavor stops Dr. Garaki in the middle of the hallway. And he's like, Dr. Garaki, aren't you the person that created the Nomus? And Dr. Garaki just starts losing his mind. He's like, oh, crap. Like, how are they here? How do they know about this? This was super unexpected. Uh, just at the drop of a dime, like his whole world just gets turned upside down. Yeah, we get some excellent Garaki faces yes, in this do. episode in the next. Absolutely. Like the the almost that anime trope of the screaming, crying guy. Yeah, yeah. We get them in both of these episodes and they're really they're really well done. In this case, it's juxtaposed with Endeavor's ferocious face yeah. um, in the anime and in the manga. Um, later on, I think it's just Garaki's face all by itself. And, and there is a little bit of comic relief in that uh, relative to the content that's surrounding it, because all of this is very serious, but uh, Bones does find ways and uh, uh, Horikoshi originally did find ways to to lighten things up a little bit, even with just a facial expression. We even get a quick flashover to Endeavor Endeavor's kids who are like talking about the fact that he let them know that they were you know going to be out for a little while, and they're kind of like, "Oh wow, that's cool." Dad's even telling us when he's working now. <laughs> yeah, the the implication being that he's he's used to just being gone, yeah, and for the kid, like not telling the kids why he can't be, uh, you know, in communication with them at all. So kind of good to see that like family improvements are happening there. It seems like. Yeah. I think that they're seeing uh, like, like you're calling them improvements or at least new modes of, of operation yeah. and, yeah. and then being even maybe a little surprised by it, but definitely appreciative of it. Definitely. Like they're actually worried like, Oh man, dad's out on a mission. And it's not just like, God, I hope he doesn't come back. <laughs> yeah. They, they get the sense from, I, I, I got the sense that they got the sense that just by making that contact, that it, it was Endeavor's way of saying, Hey, this isn't an everyday thing. Right. Like this isn't, this isn't my day to day work. Something else is, is calling me away. And I just wanted you guys to know that this is why I won't be, um, I won't be reachable for, an undisclosed amount of time. Well, the, the doctor starts to try to run away from Endeavor, and as he starts, the uh, Aizawa stops in, uses his erasure quirk, and the doctor just starts aging. Like, it's immediately super old. And I guess up to this point, we were supposed to be under the impression that he was quirkless. I don't know that we were explicitly told that, but we are. Oh, yes, we were. were. We? At the beginning of this episode, they go out of their way to, like, when he's first shown walking down the uh, hospital, that they even throw the word, like, quirkless the up quirkless on the screen. Doctor, yeah. Because that's been the impression that we've been given uh, even explicitly up until this very point. Well, and it turns out that this is an unregistered quirk and they believe that it's likely the one that's keeping all for one alive uh, because I mean, he has to be hundreds of years old at this point, I would assume, or at least, at least a hundred plus. Um, so Aizawa starts immediately quizzing the doctor, like on all of his work, like, you know, just going into it. Uh, present Mike immediately shows up and, and is like, got him almost by the throat. If I remember correctly, like he's holding on to like his collar and, uh, he's calling the, this, this work that he's doing, that putting multiple quirks into, to these corpses as a hyper cheat, which I had in my notes that Shigaraki would have approved of that, that language. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he wants to know, like, what did you do to my friend? Like Aizawa and present Mike obviously have this personal investment in what this doctor's operations have been and, and how it affected their old pal. And so they're very, very emotional. Like things are very tense. And this is when a few of those workers show up and they're like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? And they have to evacuate these people because clearly 
you know, the people around this doctor think that he's just this upstanding, incredible citizen that's only ever helped people. I would like to point out, too, that in the manga, interestingly, President Mike doesn't make any explicit ties to Shirakumo when he's threatening the doctor. Really? Um, yeah, he's just talking about the application to Nomu and to All for One, just evil applications, not specific applications to Shirakumo. But what I do love in both the manga and the anime is that as he's yelling, he's ra- he's, he is raising his voice at this doctor to the point where um, the lenses of uh, President Mike's glasses begin to crack and shatter yeah. a little bit, too. So there's some very well communicated intensity there that it's easy to read Shirakumo into that in the manga, but I think they make it more explicit in the anime, which is interesting because I mean, we do, we, we, we talked about this before. We do get some Shirakumo stuff in the anime. Um, but there's so much more in the manga, especially if you're reading Vigilantes, that you would think that it, they would have made it more explicit in the manga and less explicit in the anime. Yeah, that's. I, I'm surprised that it, you know, I guess they kind of had to do it more in the anime because they're assuming people aren't reading Vigilantes. But on top of that, they've only threaded that a little bit in the last season. It's not as extensive as it has been in the manga. So you, it's yeah, not as easy to make an inference too. there, I suppose. Yeah, But Aizawa lays into the doctor and pretty much explains like, hey, we're evacuating all the people in this hospital. We know that you've been building these Nomu. We know that they're programmed and that they have like a very specific task. We know that their corpses outside of having these, you know, quirks implanted in them. And he's like, he says something along the lines of you've taken so much from us and now it's our turn to take. And we, we kind of switch, you know, gears. We're back at the police headquarters and it seems like there's this team monitoring the situation and they're sort of like zoomed in on Mirko. I guess they have like some kind of <laughs> floating, uh, like, uh, cameras or something or some, some right. uh, drones that are, uh, you know, observing the situation. But Mirko is headed down to the secret path. She passes through this hallway where there are all of these like open doors and empty rooms. Rooms and all of a sudden, all these Nomus just smash through the floor and attack Endeavor. They're attacking Mirko. They're everywhere. And as this happens, we watch the doctor just kind of subtly start to fade away. Or not fade, but like melt. And it turns out he's one of Twice's doubles. And he kind of goes into this thing about how, you know, the erasure doesn't work on uh, Twice's uh, doubles. And then this Nomu attacks him and like spears him. And it's, it's just grotesque. It's a pretty crazy scene. Yeah, a couple of things, uh, too, just embedded in some of the stuff that you had covered is one of the things Aizawa says is that they figured out all of what you had listed um, about these Nomus from a couple that they had managed to capture. So we know that they've got at least two, um, the one from the USJ uh, and then also Kurogiri. Um, they they weren't able to recover Hood, but neither were the bad guys because he just got torched. Right. Um, so it's just interesting to keep in mind that the bad, the good guys actually have a couple of these Nomu like in custody. Um, and two, when Mirko is communicating initially to Endeavor and she says that, uh, she's, she finally sees some movement. It was one of my, maybe my favorite part of this entire episode, because as soon as she sees this movement, she knows that that means combat and she immediately starts smiling. And that is so Mirko. Um, one of the, one of my friends who's been watching this with me, in town was like, what is up with this rabbit lady? And and I was just like, dude, if you had read some vigilantes, this, that smirk, her bloodthirst, really <laughs> her bloodlust would not shock you at all. And it's some of the best parts of her character. Um, and we really see that start to shine in the next episode as yeah, well. This is our first real exposure to Mirko outside of vigilantes, isn't it? I think so. We've seen her like, like in the uh, background we, almost. 
and at the ranking, like she was there when they crowned Endeavor the new number one hero, yeah. whatever that little um, ceremony was. But uh, yeah, it's it's just so cool. And Aizawa knows all this stuff about um, his erasure quirk not working on doubles because when he fought Dobby during the the raid at the summer camp, um, it was a clone who was still able to use Dobby's quirk. Right. Um, right. And uh, so, so as I was aware of all this, but Garaki almost says it as if. Um, they didn't know. He, he says something very ch- almost accusative when he says, if you knew about the duplication, then you should have been more wary of it. And I was like, Aizawa does know about all this stuff. But um, I, I think it still can be a surprising thing, especially um, when they think they know, for instance, the whereabouts of twice who could use that quirk. Um, and it isn't here. It's it's uh, at the 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 place where Ed Shot's team is going to be assaulted. Well, and I think it kind of introduces this like second guessing to the audience now too, because it's it, it kind of introduces that thought of like who else could be a, a twice or a double, you know? Like for all we know, he's replicated everyone in the PLF there at the villa too, and they may all be off site somewhere. I mean, we don't have reason yeah. to think that, but we didn't have reason to think this doctor was a, a duplicate either. So. Yeah, but they do a great job of not only explaining the doctor's double, like the reason for it, um, but also the mechanism of that double. I thought that they did a good job so of yeah. of painting painting that out. But we do we cut to Shigaraki in his recovery tank, and Garaki saying that he's been so absorbed. This is where that explanation stuff starts to come in. He's been so absorbed with his masterpiece Shigaraki that he left everything else to his double. So his double has been kind of running. Uh, Garaki's actual life while Garaki has been uh, down in the in the basement of this place uh, monitoring Shigaraki. I was kind of um, shocked Shigaraki was down there. Like, I guess I knew he had to be somewhere healing, but I'm surprised he's still healing. Like, is he just healing from that attack on, uh, was it Kyosho? I think that it's, some of it I do think is a healing thing because uh, when that, when his quirk a- expanded to being able to disintegrate things that he, um, that he was connected to basically like not just the thing that he's touching, but the thing that he's touching is touching um, that that did seem to have some, um, some physical repercussions on his body. Uh, but I also think that there was some indications that Garaki had done some things to Shigaraki and these things needed to like stabilize yeah, a little bit. Um, so uh, yeah, he's just been monitoring. I think the number that we see is like 70 or 71% in this episode or the next, but yeah. Garaki is bemoaning the fact that he's, he's having to abandon this place because he's put on all this hard work to duplicate and cultivate, uh, even just one quirk. And he's got hundreds, thousands oh, in gosh, jars, yeah. it seems like um, a bunch. all over the place. Um, dozens of nomus and tanks around him as well. And he declares that this is his life work and all the bloodshed and happy days with AFO were like all a part of, of what this is. And, and we cut back to Mirko, who is presumably making her way in his direction. And she's just one shotting nomu left and right. She does this cool, like spin move thing and bones. I swear the the animating company behind this loves Mirko's thighs. They must, yeah. Because they were rippling. Both in this episode <laughs> and in the next one, we get this gratuitous, like thigh bulging animation from Mirko that I don't I don't think it's anywhere in the description of her power or, or the depiction in the manga at all. They were just like, She's got thighs, let's make them bigger. Let's let's make these guys thirst for this bunny lady by <laughs> flexing these thighs on screen. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. Actually, I have that exact thing in my notes that someone over at that company must be a little thirsty for Mirko because uh her 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 thighs are um out outlandish. <laughs> and like her whole thing is that she's got 
what bunny powers like she can do anything right. a bunny can do but better and last time i checked like yes bunnies run fast but it's not like they have outlandishly insanely crazy powerful thighs so they've just like really amped this one piece up and i don't know it's it's great too though because like it totally fits her personality like i can see this just fitting right in with her character so i'm not upset by it uh but it's you know whenever i was watching this episode there was this part of me like with this whole Dr. Garaki thing going on and on about his whole life's work being here. And I just had this thought of like, dude, there's no way that at this point in time, he hasn't figured out a way to back up all of his equipment or all of his data and like move it somewhere else easily. Like he couldn't have not thought this was going to happen at some point, but I realized that it is not, it has nothing to do with that. I don't think as much as it is just that sentimental, like my life's work, my memories are here in this place. This is where I achieved so much. And that's what's going to end up being his downfall is the fact that he kept it kind of all here and didn't disperse this info out, you know, and uh, gosh, Mirko, like she's blasting through these Nomus, like you said, just one shotting them and then just absolutely decimates the side of this wall. And the, when it the wall like explodes, it crushes that little Nomu Johnny, like his brains just splatter everywhere. And Grocky's like the real Grocky does the same scream that he was doing earlier when uh, Endeavor first approached. And she identifies him and is like, oh, you must be the real one. I don't know for sure, though. So I'm going to kick you to find out. Yeah, I love that. And to to address your point, um, he did have a plan for moving any number of things, but Mirko just crushed that's it. That's fair. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> so he's uh, he's he's in a bit of a uh, what do they call it? A, a sticky wicket or a pickle um, because his his exit strategy and he had rounded up um, two quirks. It looked like I don't know what these two quirks were, but they must have been really dope because out of the thousands, he picked up two of these canisters and was moving towards Shigaraki with the hopes of getting Johnny to take Shiggy, Garaki, and then those two quirks out of there before Johnny ends up getting crushed. So he did have a plan, uh, but Mirko just crushed it with a wall. Yeah, just a little bit faster uh, than he was. <laughs> yeah. And that's going to take us into episode 115, which is called Mirko, the number five hero. The first two and a half minutes you could completely skip because it does that annoying thing where all it does for two and a half minutes, that's like a tenth, that's better than 10% of the actual runtime of this episode is spent showing us stuff that we had already seen in the previous episode. And that is always annoying to me. And I hated every It time. could have been two and a half minutes of Mirko just flexing her thighs and a lot of people would have been a lot happier. Yeah, it was just, it was the whole 80-20 cork split and <laughs> flashbacks of uh, fighting overhaul and then a couple of scenes from like uh, the, the previous episode. I'm like, we don't need two and a half minutes of this, guys. Yeah. We, you're, we, it's safe to assume that if we're watching episode number two, we're going to have watched episode one where you already did this, so stop. Yeah, because we pretty much, like once the recap picks up, it's just Dr. Garaki like fawning over Johnny and remembering him fondly and saying he did a good job. And then like uh, Mirko just continuing to wreck Nomu pods and Dr. Garaki just sitting there like crying. And then we totally get like a 180 and we're catching up with the Pussycat Dolls and Ectoplasm who are basically- The Pussycat Dolls, you did the same thing, huh? <sighs> It's just the wild, wild pussycat. Is that what it is? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, for yeah. whatever reason, and it's uh, the pussycat dolls. Mandalay <laughs> is coordinating it, which makes all the sense because she's the one that can speak to people telepathically. Right, right. So she's like shouting orders to both patients and uh, the different heroes that are helping with the evacuation, including ectoplasm, which makes a lot of sense too, since he can uh, disperse his clones to help be extra hands on the site. If you didn't know he was a hero though, and you were just a patient at this hospital, you'd be like, no, like I'm not leaving with you. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, We've talked about how um, we put him on that list. Where What was it that uh, Gang Orca was like the third? Like this top scariest looking hero or heroes that look yeah, like they hero that be. looks like a villain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Mirko checks in with Endeavor. She's explaining that she's got the real Garaki. She obviously is like, I want to kick him. <laughs> and uh, so he instructs her like, yeah, just capture him. Like, don't don't kill him. Uh, and Endeavor's dealing with a bunch of Nomu. And it's pretty like this. These scenes are pretty kick ass because it's basically uh, Aizawa like canceling a quirk. So then no, uh, Endeavor can turn around and just blast Nomu in the face with fire and just decimate them. I mean, it's. They're really a great team together. Even Endeavor is like, hey, so uh, you sure you want to keep teaching? Like, I've always got a spot on my team for you. Yeah, I had I struggled a little bit with with the way that Aizawa's quirk is depicted here. I do want to back up too before before we get past it that the conversation between Mirko and Endeavor is hilarious yeah. because uh, Endeavor asks if Garaki is the real one, and Mirko's like, I'll know when I kick him, and Endeavor's like, Well, you got to capture him we need him alive and she's like i think i'll kick him first (laughs) um it's it's just plays to her character but then aizawa or in uh endeavor in the anime says it's so clunkily worded he says we'll head right over dot 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 is what i'd like to say and i was like what a misleading thing to say in the manga he says i wish we could say we were right behind you but we've got these nomu which makes way more sense than We'll head right over is what I'd like to say. That's such a weird, clunky way of delivering. Assumed that assumed it was a weird translation error. Like once we hear the English version of that, I bet it won't sound that way. Because the sub sometimes the subtitles, whenever they get translated, it seems like they do translate them in a way that's almost literal. So it's like there's some meaning that gets lost. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and then getting to Aizawa's depiction of his quirk, um, it it seems like when he when he erases the Nomu's quirks that they freeze in place for some reason, or at least that's how it's illustrated. Like they're in move, they're in motion and then he quirks them and they stop. And then that sets Endeavor up to uh flash fire, uh, fist them or whatever it is. A uh, jet burns them to ashes. And I whatnot. think it makes sense though. Cause they're not, they're not high ends, right? They're just regular Nomu's, which means they're just a quirk. So if he erases the quirk, they're just corpses. So there's nothing to do. There's nothing for them to do. You know what I mean? Oh, I see. Like with the, cause with I the high ends, that. whenever he erased the quirk at USJ, it was like he could erase it, but the, that, that Nomus had other quirks. It was still super strong, super powerful. It wasn't just dead stopping it in its tracks. That, in my mind, though, that weird crow Nomu was kind of one of the first high ends, or at least the precursor to yeah. a high end. So if he it was. if he did erase the quirk of a high end, I would expect for them to berate him and talk to him, and like there would be more personality there. But these are just regular Nomu. They're literally corpses with a quirk. So he erases the yeah. quirk. There's nothing. They can't move. They're they're not going to do anything. That makes some sense. That's a that's a fine explanation, I'm, Adam. I'm somewhat on point. <laughs> <laughs> we catch up with the rear guard here in Jakku, and Burnin radios them to say that the town hall has just sent out an evacuation advisory to everybody uh, in nearby residences, but they still need to go door-to-door, basically, to make sure everybody gets the message. Bakugo bemoans helping with the evacuation versus fighting villains, but uh, he does ring a nearby doorbell and then just literally starts yelling yeah. at them to evacuate. He was like, did you <laughs> not get the text? <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> then we catch up with this guy named Crust, who is the number six hero, whose shield, whose quirk is shield. I have whose shield is quirk, but uh, that's that's just wrong. It's backwards. He's running through a hidden passageway, uh, noting these other exits besides the morgue door, um, where there are presumably these holding cells for all these Nomu, and we get a cool. I think a good character building moment for him in this episode um, one or two where he he 
really feels for these things. He knows what they are. He knows that in their present state that they're evil. Um, but he does seem to express some th- some sympathy towards them um, as as victims in uh, to a certain degree. At least at least these ones. I think that when it comes to the higher end Nomus, um, that he might sing a, a slightly different tune because it's explicitly stated that um, very violent villains were recruited for those particular positions. Right. Um, but a lot of these other people were just people who maybe had desirable quirks um, and and became victims. And uh, even later on, when he's locked in combat with one, he's got tears in his eyes. And I thought that that was really well depicted in these episodes. Yeah, for a hero that we've never really seen or heard much of before, I felt like they introduced him in a really great way. Like something about Crust really sticks out to me, especially since he kind of has a goofy quirk, but he seems to yield it in a really cool way. Yeah. Yeah, he uses it very effectively. It's not... Uh, just a, a means of defense. Right. Um, he, he definitely goes on the offensive. Well, we it. see some more offense from Mirko. She goes on the attack, and uh, it's ridiculous here because Grocky's just losing his mind. Like, he's pretty much just a puddle of tears and freak out uh, and emotions because I don't think he really understands how to even pick up with what the little pieces he has left for his plan. Uh, he's telling Shigaraki that without AFO, it's like harder to make new moves and everything. And it took a total of like 10 hours for hood who was the, uh, no move that attacked Endeavor to actually like stabilize. So, you know, he's kind of like freaking out here, knowing too that like all of his other work is also being decimated. Without AFO, it was already hard enough. Now it's going to get even harder. And he's got to figure out how to get out of there too. He pulls a device like out of his coat and he's about to activate some of these high end no moves. Mirko comes in and tries to kick that device out of his hands, but right as she does, there's another tiny Nomu that I think he calls Mocha uh, that pops up and like protects him, and he's like kind of endeared for a moment. I think he's almost taken off guard too because he's like, "Oh my gosh, you're expressing like interest in me. You you know your primary code wasn't to protect me, but you did it anyways. Like there's something more there." And and as he's realizing this, he also flips on the high-end Nomus, and we kind of transition to see these these creatures, these Nomus in these Bacta tanks like you've, or Bacta pods like you've described, and man, they're freaky looking. Like, this whole little gang, they almost look like, uh, like Venoms, if that makes sense. Like symbiotes. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the Mocha Nomu uh, is the mechanism by which Garaki was able to have a double, because it is, uh, it has been given twice as quirk. Um, and Garaki is very heartwarmed when he moves on his own because he does so without an yeah. order. Um, and I, I just had in my notes if if that um, carries with it some future implications. Like if this simple Nomu is able to move without an order, what about these higher end Nomus? Are they going to reach a point where they're going to break from whatever their programming is? So in this case, when they're released, they're given the... Uh, the mission to trample provoking heroes. Uh, but I wonder if we will see um, any of these higher end Nomus pull a mocha in the future and operate um, apart from any kind of uh, programming. I think that that would be interesting. So I don't know if there was a little bit of a tease there or set up for something in the future. Um, but the the high ends, I, I think I'd already mentioned, are villains who were selected, uh, and these these ones are just eager to kill some heroes. They come out, and that's basically all that they're saying. So Crust stumbles in and is recognized and assaulted by one of the Nomu, while uh, Garaki makes his exit and apologizing to all these high end Nomos for for them not having enough time to fully develop. But Mirko notices his escape. 
um, and says that she's just warming up while like licking this blood off of her face. I believe that when the gnomes were first released, she, she got, got she got like slammed. Yeah, she got slammed, yeah. but she like counteracts it with her legs. And and before we go too crazy or too far, uh, I thought it was nuts that that one high end gnomu recognizes crust. He's like he like says his name, and then he says like you're the number. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, he doesn't remember the right. Yeah, but like I, that was nuts to me. Like he has that. Like these Nomu have so much more awareness than the ones we've seen. It really gives them a lot more personality, you know. Yeah, and it also knowing who Crust is is also a strategic advantage to a point because they'll know what Crust's quirk is capable of or what it does. Right. It also um, made me wonder so- if these were fresher and I, and I guess what I mean by that is like if this individual knew who crust was does that mean that he's only been a high end nomu for like six months like had he just seen crust get the new ranking or something you know what I mean yeah I uh, no, I don't I don't know that's a good question because yeah. yeah I mean I guess what you're doing is you're reading that I don't remember what rank you are comment as I know that you changed recently right. but I don't know to or from what um, we get some more explanation from Garaki about the Nomus, that they're corpses that are bioengineered to hold multiple quirks. They don't have any wills. They only do what they're programmed to. There are different tiers. Um, the upper level Nomus are quirks plus 10 times strength, which is what um, what you refer to as the crow Nomu yeah, was yeah. at the USJ. Uh, and then you have the high ends. The first one of which we saw was the hood. Um, higher stats plus limited independence that reflects their personalities from when they were alive. Uh, and they were limited to villains with strong desires to fight. And I actually, when I read that or or watched that, I actually sent a quick DM to Mark to uh, ask him if he could imagine if Rappa had been uh, recruited to be a high-end Nomu oh, man, because yeah. he definitely fits that bill. Could you imagine a Rappa Nomu? That would be the most bonkers would thing. Be. See, I don't know that he's villainous enough, though, because he has this kind of like unlawful creed to want to fight, but is he really villainous? I don't know. Uh, I mean, he definitely leans in that direction, um, but he, he tends to go wherever the fighting is, and if if they could have convinced him that, oh, this is where the fighting is definitely going to be, that he, they might have been able to uh, to sway him a little Potentially, bit. Potentially, yeah. Um, I thought there was a weird yeah. comment here, too, where Garaki said that they only have five high-end Nomu in testing, including, in quotes, woman. And I'm like, okay, so there's one female-ish looking high-end Nomu. Is that what he meant? Like, what a weird way to say that. Yeah, the other thing that I had questioned was they, they, they talk about the fact that these Nomu are corpses. So these villains that um, that they turned into the high-end Nomus, they weren't recruited. They were killed, like selectively chosen and then killed and harvested. Or maybe they were villains um, that died during AFO's fights, right? Like he, they could have been yeah, lieutenants and, of his own and just died in, in the fights. And that was a question that I pitched to Mark, too, was are they being when, – when it comes to these corpses, were they being entirely opportunistic or proactive? Yeah. Um, and he was like, ah, oh, we, we don't really – have a his answer was I guess the only real sample size we have is Hood, who as far as we know seems to have been voluntary yeah. um, from the uh, uh, vigilante stuff, I believe. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Like we're finally getting some of those answers about these Nomus that you and I have been asking since the first one showed up. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, the oh, the, and the other thing I mentioned too was we do have examples of living. Uh, volunteers that have uh, undergone this experimentation, like nine from the movie Shigaraki. and Shigaraki. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there, there are some interesting folds to all of that, um, 
all of the the Nomu shenanigans that we're exposed to. Well, Doctor Grocky is standing there at some kind of a control panel, looking up at Shiggy, uh, and it, that, this is when we get that scene where his fixation rate is seventy one percent. So maybe he's instilling more, you know, quirks into Shigaraki or or powering his up. I'm not super sure. I don't know that we're really explicitly told here, uh, but effectively, Shiggy's not fully baked yet, so he's got to buy some time here. And his only means of escape have been killed, so he's not super sure what to do. But Mirko actually hears him clicking on something. She she can't see him. She's pretty far away, but she's able to see or hear that he is not moving. He stopped, and she, you know he's at a destination that she can get to. So the high ends do see her, and they're super shocked. She's still alive. She explains that she negated their uh, impact basically with her legs, uh, which was kind of interesting. But we get her official intro here, which was pretty neat. She jumps past the high ends and she just takes off. Uh, like, it's pretty crazy. She does have to evade them a decent amount along the way to get to Dr. Garaki. But in general, like, she, they don't really seem to put up too much of a fight against her. She's able to escape from multiple attacks. Even when she does finally get like trapped a little bit, she's able to pull off one of her pro moves that are really cool. I think it's called like Luna Ring. The Luna Ring yeah. is the first one. Yeah. yeah. So she does a Luna Ring, and then she uses Luna Fall on uh, the Nomu that has, I think, some like bone projecting quirk. Um, but she does kind of loot. She loses an arm in the yes. process because there's another one that uses. It's it's depicted, I think, differently in the manga than in the anime in the anime it's like her arm gets twisted um almost like it was made of rubber and, and twisted and doubled up a couple different times um in the manga though it looks like he kind of uses that uh what was the thing from uh naruto that i think kakashi had that it, uh, he could create almost like a warp and it would suck things into it oh, you know yeah i know what you're talking about yeah looks like in the manga where there's like almost a stationary thing that gets opened up by her arm that sucks it in so like in the in the anime if i'm not mistaken it's been over a week since i watched this episode now but she's kind of running around with her arm looks that looks kind of shriveled almost like midori's yeah, used to yeah um in the manga though it's just gone like oh, it's wow. gone it's not there so it's just totally yeah because that was one of the things i was thinking throughout this episode was like okay is she gonna go see the the doctor lady that can like kiss her arm and make it feel better or is it just gone gone because it's it looks like it's totally debilitated and i think she doesn't put like a tourniquet on it but she does kind of hold it as if like okay well this thing's useless now uh because she keeps going like she kicks this one nomu right into the ground and then she saddles the one that messed her arm up and it is insane because like She's she's got him saddled around the head and just absolutely headlocked in between her legs. Does this like flip over move and just detaches his head entirely? <laughs> yeah, the super move is called the Luna T uh, Tijeras, which is scissors in Spanish. Oh wow! And she just scissor cuts his head off with her legs, um, kind of like uh, the Kanadogi crab girl <laughs> in her quirk. <laughs> yeah. um, that's what we see Mirko kind of doing. Well, and she here. explains to them that these high ends are like not something she's worried about at all. She says that she, you know they don't scare her. She lives every day expecting to die, so they don't phase her. They're just you know zombies basically. And she says, "You zombies won't be able to kill me." And she does some more blood licking. 
And then uh, we transfer back over to the police HQ. They're reporting in and uh, they're explaining that Ed shot is like clean sweeping Gunga village. Uh, and it's, it's pretty funny because we see this quick scene on the back end where we've got uh, our grape God as Ness would refer to him as sitting on a uh, trunk. And he's like, you know, Hey, it would be pretty insulting if we were all super ready to go. Like those heroes, they got it. If, if, you know, we had to be on the ready, then that might be a little offensive. That may insinuate that they aren't ready or that they don't have it. And, you know, you know, the the other team members are trying to kind of like get him to to fall in line like hey dude we got to be ready for this and Kaminari is still sort of freaking out um so midnight is trying to help him a little bit um and it doesn't seem like it's really working like Kaminari is having a hard time getting in the right headspace here and Tokoyami decides to give it a shot he's like hey you know like whenever we did the school show you were really incredible then and Kaminari just says like oh yeah I can play guitar really well that's gonna help me here thanks Tokoyami yeah don't compliment my shredding skills (laughs) now (laughs) that's great um we get Cementos who starts the assault and is just freaking epic. Wasn't there a time in, in, uh, in our run of the AMP that Cementos was like one of your favorites? Uh, I don't know. I know my wife has always really liked Cementos. Well, he, he does some work yeah, he here. Does. Um, skeptic is running around blaming twice saying that he had been watching Hawks, especially since twice spilled the beans on Shiggy, but Hawks never slipped up and skeptics like he tricked me. It's not my fault. It's that Bupa Gawara's fault. And the heroes are coming, um, as the, he, he starts shouting that the heroes are coming as the front of the building is peeled away by Cementos and skeptic delivers the best line of easily these two episodes by shouting aloud to everybody as their building is being ripped in half. The meeting is canceled. Yeah. <laughs> um, just in case you guys weren't aware, the meeting's canceled. Yeah, the meeting's guys. canceled. The heroes um, are coming. Yeah, that's great. And he is uh he's ordered Violet and Black to the front, along with Brown and for Carmine to stay back in the assembly hall for now. But Cementos is putting in all kinds of work. Um the visual that we get here kind of reminded me of removing the envelope of a wasp's nest. Like I watch um the Hornet King sometimes on YouTube and he uses vacuum and he you have to vacuum off the envelope of the uh, the nest before you can properly dispose of it. And the envelope just being that papery outer yeah. layer. And when you do that, you see the different tiers of cone that the wasps or hornets have made inside of that, which is really cool. And I wonder if that visual was actually intentional here as a kind of way of communicating to us that the hornet's nest has been kicked. Oh, yeah. Um, so That's to speak. really cool. The one thing I kept thinking throughout this whole scene too was a skeptic, you know, he had that comment in the last season where he was like, I've only been wrong one time. Well, now he's been wrong twice. And I'm really interested in knowing what that, you know, one time he was wrong was. Yeah, we, we still st- want to know what the one thing is. We still want to know, is. yes. Uh, but we, we do get to see this new villain step up uh, to the ring here. And in my comments, I just have like, it looks like he was ripped right out of Full Metal Alchemist. This guy is, I mean, he's like in this blue suit almost kind of thing. He's got this like black long hair with a lightning bolt in one of it. For all we know, it's Kaminari's dad. Like it could be his dad or his uncle or something. Yeah, his <laughs> His hair coloring is opposite yeah. to Kaminari's, where his is black with the yellow, um, Kaminari's is yellow with the black. And- so they, they are set up as as foils to one another, which is really cool. So as as this guy is approaching, too, we also kind of get, like, almost slice of life for the villains. Like, we kind of get these quick shots of, like, Dobby and Toga, like, almost in, like, a dorm room setting. And all these villains, like, scurry. It was very like homeroom UA scene, except with villains scurrying. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, but then we get back over to the heroes. Midnight's prepping Kaminari again, and she tells him, like, look, if it's too hard to just think about protecting all these people, like why we are here, 
And think of someone really specific, like who is in your heart? Who is most important to you right now? Think of that person. And he does. Uh, he reflects for a second before stopping in his tracks and glancing backwards um, towards where Jiro is. And uh, though Kaminari doesn't hear this, Jiro um, whispers, uh, do your best charge bolt. And he clenches his fists and resolve. And it was such a cool moment um, that he is m maybe not realizing for the first time because we get a little bit of uh, a sense from a flashback here or showing maybe, I guess, for the first time him and Tokoyami practicing guitar for the first time and, and him being like, we don't want to let Jiro down. Don't you want to make it great for her? And the, the implication being that he he specifically really does. Um, and so he's, he's maybe realizing some, some real feelings there, which is really cool. Um, but then that villain that you were talking about, he goes unnamed. I called him the bolt um, villain in my, my notes. Yeah. I tried to look up a name for him and it, it doesn't exist. So, um, but he, he gets a cool moment though. He complains about the timing. Thanks to having to wait on Shiggy. Uh, and in the manga, there's this cool moment where, uh, there's like a panel that looks like it's ripped straight out of the nineties X-Men oh, intro. Nice. Um, where there's like a two page spread where like on the left are all the bad guys running in one direction. And then on the right are all the good guys running in the opposite direction towards one another. Um, it was really cool, but he takes out a stun gun, uh, and he says, numbers are meaningless against my quirk. It's called Amplivolt, and it amplifies and releases and reigns supreme as the strongest. Um, and then all of a sudden, Kaminari gets super speed because he like turns into the right. flash and runs in yeah. front of everybody. I also that was really weird. like how this villain claims the beginning of this war because he he kind of like you you touched on it. He says that this only happened because they were waiting on Shigaraki. He's like, we just need to start this now. Like we just need to get going. And he says this is the beginning of the liberation and the revolution. And he pulls out that taser and starts like charging himself up. That was so epic to me. Like this dude's just taking this fight into his own hands and being like, you know what? Screw the system. Like we're gonna get this started right now. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, then we get I I I have this in my in my notes. Is this the best visual that we have seen in the series so far? <laughs> if it isn't, I would say it's it's up there. It's top 3, top 5 material for sure because Kaminari with his number 1 finger sticking up in the air totally lightning rods and neutralizes this thundernet attack of this dude. Um, and he he says in order to keep the guys in the back from worrying, let's finish this quickly. And that visual of him animated like that with his finger in the air, just soaking up all this electricity was so sharp it and so really good. bright. It was amazing. It's easily one of the, the prettiest looking things that I've seen in the anime to this point. I, I would be hard pressed to think of many that come even remotely close as far as like dynamism go. There are maybe some that have some more dramatic appeal or dramatic power. Um, but as far as dynamic like action and just total phone uh, lock screen quality, you know, it's so well animated. It's amazing. If anything, Kaminari's best moment for sure. Like him just taking on that Thundernet and like keeping his soldiers going. And I don't know, it was epic for him, man. Like he finally kind of got to be that centerpiece of, of the moment of the story and like the hero that he, I think has always kind of wanted to be, but never really quite fit in. And this and he's being it specifically for Jiro yeah, here. Yeah, and and it's great because Cementos like turns around and gives him the thumb up, and 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 we kind of get the end of this episode. It just cuts, but man, what a what a great episode! Yeah, we get a a, a brief glimpse into what's going to happen in the next uh, episode at the end of this one, as we always do. But we tend not to cover cover that material between episodes that we're covering. 
Um, but in the next episode, in order to stop twice from helping them, Hawks moves at a speed that is too fast because that's one of his faults, apparently. <laughs> Um, as he, um, the very last pages of, um, 263, the manga chapter is depicted in these, um, you know, what to expect in, in the next episode stuff, um, which is pretty great, but that's going to wrap us up for yeah. these two episodes, a hell of a way to start, um, a new season. Dude, yeah, I would no say. joke. I think I even mentioned in the discord that like this season does not start off, uh, slow, like it just hits the ground running. And I think this whole season is going to be this way. I get the feeling we're in for like a supercharged season of just non-stop action i gotta say um it was either last season or the season before i had mentioned that a big story plot was uh spoiled for me when i was searching on the wikis mm -hmm. and i think it's going to be happening in the next couple episodes just some oh, of the stuff that that happened in this episode in the last feels like some foreshadowing for something that i know is coming and it has to take place this season either it wouldn't surprise me if it's like one of the big things that happens and then they have like a two or three week break like you know how they sometimes do in the middle of a season it wouldn't right. surprise me if it happens within the next four to five episodes uh so i i will i'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out if it does yeah, well, we've definitely got a lot to look forward to. Um, there is a lot of excitement that returned to the MHA fandom on Twitter with the return of the anime. Um, there's always hype going on uh, because manga chapters release fairly regularly. Um, but Twitter has been blowing up with these new visuals um, produced for us um, for the anime's sake as we enter into this new season. And it has just been so good. And uh, discussion has, has amped back up as well so a uh, lot a lot to enjoy and soak back up um in the next foreseeable future for for anime only folks um it is it is here uh and we are here to talk all about it but we're going to wrap this episode up with a, a little bit of a, a fun thing that i saw on twitter somebody um whose handle was at zonins z-h-o-n-i-n-z um was talking about how uh some of the questions and commenta uh, comments made about MHA tend to get redundant and kind of circle around the same few things. So they instead asked, let's shake things up and talk about who in MHA would be in favor of legalizing weed. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that that was a fascinating that question. Is, like what an odd, <laughs> like not oddball question, but just totally out of left field, never would have even considered that to be a question, you know? So I pitched this to uh, the Discord, and um, I, I've got their answers written down. But um, Adam, uh, Adam hasn't had a chance to really uh, bring his thoughts together about this. So I wanted to hear from you first and see if some of your answers or um, some of your uh, reflexes or um, you know what what your initial guesses might be uh, based on on that. Now the tweet did say who in MHA. Um, I think when I pitched it to our Twitter and to the Discord, I narrowed it down to just one A, but I'll let you answer either way. You know, it's way. interesting to me, I almost wonder if it would be sort of a similar thing to how it is in our life, at least what I have experienced in my life, where uh, it's the parents that are more rigid against that that legality than the students. Like, the students may just be like, well, whatever. Like, I don't care. I don't know that I could think of any particular one of them being super against it other than maybe Ida. And only Ida because he he wants to follow the law or follow the rules. But if the law flipped, then I don't think he'd have a problem with it. You know what I mean? So mm, it's like, in my mind, I almost wonder if all the students would just kind of consider it like drinking beer, like just another thing. Uh, at least I know that's how it has been for me for most of my life. It's not really been regarded as something that's like a huge... Like, oh no, like like other hard drugs uh, in comparison. I think you're being too passive about it. I'm wondering... 
and this person is asking who's going to be advocating for this. Who's going to oh, be like, who would who would be absolutely uh, like out there advocating for it, going to the the uh, yeah. protests and things like that. Okay, uh, yeah, you know, I could see uh, Jiro being out there, like especially then follow my thought here. She's coming from like a music family. I feel like, you know, marijuana and the music industry is pretty big. So I could see, see that being a thing. <laughs> uh, Kaminari would be there if anything. Cause uh, you know, he, he dopes out automatically. Like that's part of his quirk. So he probably likes to dope out without his quirk too. Um, gosh, who those, those are the exact two students that I wrote <laughs> down. And for very similar okay. answers, I, I, I did uh, implicate Jiro in that because of uh, the music industry vibes. I think that she would be totally fine with a legal high. Um, I think Kaminari would also be very open to uh, that experience. I as think uh, well. Todoroki um, for sure. From yeah, Todoroki. Yeah, absolutely. Really? He's got to, he's got to deal with his dad's abuse somehow, man. And what, what better way, <laughs> And you're gonna steer him towards uh, using uh, drugs to 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 uh, mitigate that. <laughs> <laughs> I also think Coda would be out there, like just naturally, like that dude's in the nature. What? Yeah, absolutely. Coda's out there in the nature, like smoking dope, taking hikes, communicating with animals. If anything, it helps him. He already does that. He doesn't need <laughs> weed to do that. We need weed to communicate with animals, That's but fair. he doesn't. Maybe he it helps him understand them a little <laughs> bit better. Uh, I think I think the oh, plane gosh. hero, if anybody, he'd be like, "Look, I'm not plain. I'm also a stoner." <laughs> Nor, oh, the, the normal, normal hero yeah. manual. No, not not the normal hero. Uh, Ojiro with the tail because he's so plain. Oh, oh, he'd be like, I gotcha. "I'm not plain." <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. So, um, I uh, from all of MHA, I definitely think twice would be at the front lines of trying to get uh, marijuana oh, yeah. legalized, See, even though he's a I don't think villain, Twice would touch it. I, I don't think, think he would be out there at all. I, I don't know. I think that that chaotic side of his split personality would be totally down for that. Uh, he'd be fighting himself. Um, on it. He'd be like, yes, I believe in it. No, I don't. Yeah, he would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, some of the other answers that came up a lot, um, Aizawa came up a lot. Uh, the reason for most people being that he already presents himself as a bit of a stoner just because of the way that his eyes are drawn and his general demeanor. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I I don't know that he would be for legalizing it, um, but if it were legalized, um, he at least is already equipped with the eye drops to be able to uh, to to deal with some See, of the I fallout. Think- I think he'd be the kind of guy that would be like, yeah, if you want to do it, do it, legalize it, whatever. I don't care. I don't think he would partake, if anything, to keep his eyes from drying out because he seems to be very conscious of his ability to act. I think that his reason for not uh, taking it, even if it were legal, is because it's not the rational thing right, to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, to get into his character some. Um, Kaminari came up a lot. Somebody uh, suggested that Dark Shadow would be for it, but not oh, Tokoyami. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, which was pretty funny. Um, and then the two that came up the most in the, the Twitter thread were Hawks, um, which I, I could see. I think he's a pretty free-spirited guy. Um, I could see him doing it recreationally, I guess. But the other one was Saro. Saro came up a lot, and... I don't know how that one sits. Well, with I mean, me, he's I got an auto roller in his arms. He's like ready to go for joints, bro. <laughs> that's tape. That's not like joint. <laughs> it could be paper. whatever it wants to be. Everything burns to some it's extent. Got, it's got adhesive in there. I don't think that that's it just what helps you'd with want. the high. I don't know. Clearly, I oh know all gosh, about drugs. Yeah. If you can't tell by the way yeah. I'm talking, not only are you smoking weed, but you're huffing <laughs> sero glue at the we same time. We don't know time. what kind of psychedelic effects he may have. 
That's true. Well, and if it's ever discovered, then he's he's going to be in high Do you demand. Think Momo, I I wonder if Momo would like want to be out there, but couldn't because she knows she could destabilize the market too easily. Because she could probably create like super high THC weed and stuff. Oh, she probably could. I don't think that she would. I think based on her family and uh, and background that like drugs. If she, <laughs> this is going to sound awful, if she were into drugs, it wouldn't be something so low brow as marijuana. <laughs> it would be some sort of designer. So, you know, yeah, yeah, um, that's funny. I don't think that she would be into them at all, but just based on her socioeconomic status, if she was going to get into something, it's going to be something uh, a, a little bit more top shelf than just uh, every man's Fair weed. Fair so, uh, all right. Well, what do you say that wraps us up for this episode of the AMP? Yeah, no, that was a fun question. I'm, I'm going to have to hop on Twitter and see if I can't see some of those other responses because I bet there were some fun ones. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, um, we didn't get any of these, but I really am desperate. I, I think I might try to find some time to write some this week, but I still want to hear some Mineta diss tracks to some of the girls in 1A um, based on the, the oh, last yeah. episode that we did of the yep. Tums. Um, I might try to whip up some uh, some diss tracks for Mineta for the next episode. That'll be a pretty fun segment. So if you're listening to this, uh, the basically the concept was if you missed that coverage, uh, that present Mike and All Might both suggested to Mineta when he was being rejected by all these girls to write diss tracks to or about them. Um, and we would love to hear your diss tracks from Mineta to any 1A girls. Um, if you want to uh, tweet them to us or uh, hit us up in the Discord and share those, we'll we'll read those in future episodes because I think that there is a fertile ground for fun in some Mineta yes, diss absolutely. tracks. Well, that will take care of us for this week. We'll see you in about two. Two weeks. We'll see you guys. You know, my, my one thought that I kept having when I was watching this was that, uh, oh man, my brain just stopped working. What's his name? The guy with the- I can't help you there. Skeptic, thank you. I was going to call him conspiracy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Close.